This is episode 41 of the Deeper Than Work podcast, and in today's episode, I am talking with the author of the new book, Boss Bride, The Powerful Woman's Playbook for Love and Success. We have Sherea Jackson on, and this is an episode you are not going to want to miss. Welcome to Deeper Than Work, a podcast for high-achieving and ambitious women ready to make more money, have more impact, and thrive at work and life. And now, here's your host, Dorianne St. Fleur, HR expert, career coach, and breaker of glass ceilings. Hey, Career Girl Nation, you are inside another episode of the Deeper Than Work podcast. I am your host. If this is your first time, my name is Dorianne St. Floor, and I am an HR expert and career coach and the founder and creator of Your Career Girl, which is a boutique career coaching platform for top performing and high achieving women in corporate America. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. I have Sherea K. Jackson, who is the author of the new book, Boss Bride, The Powerful Woman's Playbook for Love and Success. She is also the global ambassador of love and lifestyle and relationships editor for Essence Magazine. She helps empower the brand's audience of over 13 million people. Her stories have been featured all over the place. You can find her on CNN, NBC, Sirius, Time, Fortune, all that good stuff. She's also an Atlanta native that lives and works and loves in New York City. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's welcome Sherea Jackson. All right. So we have a very special guest today. I'm so excited to have Sharia Jackson here with us. She's going to let us know a little bit about herself, what brings her to here today, and about her new book uh, that is just phenomenal. So without further ado, Sharia, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and then let's jump into this career and relationship goodies that we have to talk about today. I am so excited. Thank you for having me. As you said, I'm Sharia. I am the author of the new book, Boss Bride, The Powerful Woman's Playbook for Love and Success. I also serve as a senior editor for Essence and have spent the last 10, more than 10 years researching healthy relationships and also how we can have successful careers. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, you know, Sharia, the topics that you're tackling in this book, I mean, talking about uh, careers, talking about relationships, everything in between, I think this is so needed for, you know, black women, for women in general, but for black women specifically. And so I'm so excited to have you here and can't wait to, to jump in. So I guess before we even, you know, kind of dive deep into some of the specifics from the book, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your career journey, what the inspiration was behind creating Boss Bride and kind of what brings you here today? Sure. So I, from Atlanta, we talked about that a little bit. You're a Spelman grad. I'm a Howard grad. So I left Atlanta, went to DC. And when I was in high school, I, I had different careers I was interested in. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a math teacher during the day and a radio host at night. And it was during an internship in Atlanta at the Atlanta Daily World newspaper where I said, wow, you know, I really would like to make a career of this journalism things. Because up to that point, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, even though I always liked to read and write. I didn't know it was something that I could necessarily build a career and get paid off. And so as I started to read more magazines, I was like, this is what I could do. And so I studied journalism at Howard. I was 
on the staff for the Hilltop, our student newspaper, which was founded by Zora Neale Hurston. And so I really, that was my passion. I interned throughout college at Upscale Magazine at newspapers. And the summer between my junior and senior year, I interned at Essence, which was incredible and life-changing. My first summer in New York, I was 21. And so that definitely was a definitive time in my life. And I was hungry for more. And so my senior year, I had bad senioritis. And so I would get on the, the, the bus and come up to New York at least every one or two months during that time and stop by Essence and meet with other people in the industry that I knew or connected with. And I was a, through that was able to generate, a, well, was able to be in the right spot when an opportunity to uh, for a new editorial assistant for the website opened up. And so I was hired and started that job four days after I graduated from Howard, which is now 11 years ago. And so it's been quite a ride. I worked at Essence for a few years as a wet um, assistant and got promoted to um, associate editor for the site. Then in 2009, myself, along with our much of our editorial um, digital team at that time was laid off. And so that definitely was a defining moment in my career. And one of the best blessings, I talk about that in the book, how I had to really, you know, there were people who called me like somebody died. And I'm like, you know, um, (laughs) it definitely was a dream job. And I also knew there was so much more life on the other side. And so it was an opportunity for me to take inventory of my skills of my passions. What did I like? What didn't I like? And during that time, um, during my first Senate Essence, I managed our relationship content on the website. And so I was seeing all these comments from women, and it felt like we were making progress professionally, but in our personal lives, we were making some of the same mistakes of the generation before us. And so I wanted to disrupt that. I, When I was at Howard, I did my senior thesis on if college women were working on a bachelor's or looking for a bachelor. So I always was interested in relationships. And then once I worked at Essence, I realized I really wanted to be a part of the solution. I wanted to create resources for women um, and men to to really stabilize our relationships, which would stabilize our families, which would stabilize our communities. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And it's so interesting because, you know, we're, as women, we're told, you know, you shouldn't depend on a man. You need to go in there and do your thing, get your education, go get your career, do all of these things. And so we do that. But then, yeah, like the other side of it all, the relationship and all of that is kind of lacking. And as you said, we were making those mistakes. So I definitely see how the two things kind of intersect. So Absolutely. What about when you talked about, you know, wanting to be part of the solution and disrupting, did something happen in your own relationships? Like, how did that, how did you say, you know what, I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm not just going to talk about the problems. I'm going to do something. What was the catalyst moment for you to really take this relationship thing head on? Absolutely. So after I left Essence for a few years, I worked in PR as a social media manager. And during that time, I trained as a as a relationship coach. And that's when I got my certifications and started to do workshops at the college level. And one of my um, my favorite workshops I've ever done was on the campus of South Carolina State University. And why that sticks out to me is that's the college where my parents met and fell in love. And, wow. you know, through that marriage, there were two kids, me and my brother. Now they divorced now. And so seeing um, 
seeing my mother go through, and even though I was a baby, but seeing the other side of her being um, a single mom, seeing my aunt go through a divorce and how it really shifted their life experiences made me realize, and I knew at an early age, relationship choices weren't something to take lightly. And so definitely it was my own reality. I talk about for a lot of us, you know, the 80s and 90s, uh, we experienced the highest rates of divorce in this country. And so you have people who were children now who are now of marrying age. So when people are like, well, why are young people getting married? It's like, well, it's not that people don't want to get married. It's that they don't want to get it wrong because mm-hmm. they, a lot of us came of age in a time where we saw either our own parents or friends' parents go through that. And so definitely from an early age, I knew like it wasn't, my heart was not something to take lightly. And so mm-hmm. absolutely that, you know, led to a career path that, you know, two years after working in PR and starting to do my own coaching, I was, um, got the offer to be the relationships editor at Essence. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to dive into some of the topics in Boss Bride, but, you know, if you had to think about like the, like why this is so necessary, why you had to write this book, what are some of the topics that women need to understand about, this relationships and and how to manage that with their careers, et cetera. Sure. So Sheryl Sandberg said it in Lean In and in her work that the most important career decision a woman will ever make is who she chooses to marry. Mm. And so it is directly connected. And so I didn't write the book that I had all the answers to. I wrote the book that I had the most questions for. And mm-hmm. I went to get resources for myself. And in that process for all the other women who had some of the same questions, because I'm actually, you know, I, I just left an event where I was talking to a woman and we were, I was telling her about the book. And she's like, oh, well, that's real because I'm a female breadwinner and she works in finance and her partner is an actor. And so, and one of the things that comes up is that that's the new norm. Mm-hmm. The reality is almost half of U.S. households have a female breadwinner and yet our societal expectations are that a man is still supposed to make uh, more. And so in some ways we're having to create new rules for a new reality and release expired expectations. And so it definitely is something that is so important. And I wrote I wrote because there's so many relationships books out there. There are many career books out there, but I hadn't found a book that talked about how these important areas of our life directly impact one another. Because hiring managers do judge you based on your ring stat, your relationship status, and your ring size. And so mm-hmm. it's important that you feel clear around those things and and be clear for yourself, but also prioritize love. And so what I saw is that people who thought if I just give, give, give to my career, then magically my personal life will manifest on its own. And that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And so the first chapter of this book is, yes, you are a boss bride, because every woman can tap into the mentality of a boss bride. It's not about a job title. It's not about a relationship status. It's about a state of mind. And so it's really saying, how could I show up every day of my life being strategic, being delegator, managing my resources like a boss, and then living in the moment, being connected to the people around me and prioritizing the people that matter like a bride. And so I don't believe that you get to have one day be the best day of your life. I believe what if we treated every day like one of the best days of your life? Mm, mm, that is so key. And when you talk about, you know, the the number of female breadwinners, like that's something specifically that I can relate relate to in my own life. And I remember probably about like 10 years ago, I wrote an article randomly, not for anyone, just for myself that I sent to my friends about, you know, this idea of a stay-at-home debt husband and all of these things. I wasn't married. I wasn't dating anyone. I don't know why I was led to write that, but literally that's what manifested in my life. And I 
you know, they're still old school. If you think about parents and grandparents who think, wow, you know, you're supposed to be provided for, he's supposed to be the breadwinner. How can women combat those like stereotypes or what can people do? Or how do you respond to people who are not realizing that this is the new norm? Absolutely. And inside the book, I have the boss, um, excuse me, those female breadwinner survival guide. And that's one of the, the things that you have to do is to protect your mind and protect your space and not be influenced by other people's opinions. Because that's one of the biggest pushbacks that female breadwinners feel. It's not necessarily in their relationship. It's what his friends and his, her mama are saying to him and her and how that creates a disruption because you cannot live for yourself and other people at the same time. So you'll have to make a choice because there are only two people in that relationship. And so whenever you have dynamics that other people are looking to judge, then you have to be clear on why am I here and who's in this relationship with us. So of course you want the support of your family and friends, but let that be the bonus. Don't let that be the necessity. And yeah. also know that you're a part of a new frontier. So anytime you're a part of a new, um, breaking new ground, there's, 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 when you break new ground, there's rubble, there's discord in that moment. And so not to resist your feelings both individually, but because you are in a new world and a new dynamic, you have to be clear we're on the same team. So it requires any female breadwinner has to be communicate at a higher level with her partner so that we feel in sync. But you have to be with a partner who is emotionally mature, where his identity is not tied directly to his bank account. Mm -hmm. because our worth is so much more than money. And so if you think the only thing that a man can do for you and you have people in their life, you have to reset some things for yourself. But don't be afraid to be a trailblazer. But knowing that being a trailblazer comes with sometimes there's a little sting, there's a little burn, it gets a little hot in that fire, and that's mm -hmm. okay. But to know that you're not alone, because that's one of the things that is um, why I'm here to disrupt that is because so many female breadwinners feel isolated that they're so alone when actually you're a part of the new norm. You're a part of the new reality. And you do not need to be ashamed for your accomplishments, nor do you need to feel like your partner is less than because they're on a journey that has not led to the same financial fruit that you have. Awesome. Awesome. So when you talk about, you know, your husband being the biggest decision of your career, what, what are some things that women should keep in mind as they're making this decision? Is there any, you know, red flag or some, some thoughts that they should enter in this decision with? Well, you definitely want to per approach your personal life with the same intention we approach our professional lives. And so the first thing is to be committed to learn, to, 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 to learn. Don't think that you're magically supposed to know how to do everything. I didn't, you didn't magically, when you look at your career, you didn't magically know how to do all the things in your job. No, you studied. You invested the time to learn and to be in community with spaces, with people who could model for you what it is that you wanted. And so when you really are, that's the first step. And then to even make it the priority because so often we treat our personal lives like an afterthought. And it's not just our partners going to the doctor, thinking about like all those things. We sort of think like, oh, I'll get to that as if our careers are priority. So the second chapter in the book is prioritize love. Who you do has to be on the to-do list mm -hmm. and putting you on your to-do list and moving you further up your to-do list only attracts a higher quality of people to you. And so to realize this is not something to put off or to think I'll get to later, but to prioritize love and that not just being romantic. And with that, um, the, th the third chapter of the book is date like a pro. And so one of the things that's so important we do, particularly to professional women, is that you have to check your checklist. Let me make sure I'm looking for the right things and I haven't filled my checklist with things that do not feed me. Hmm. 
Mm, yes, being strategic and intentional. Totally get that. One of the points in the book that you talk about is um, why an engagement ring can rock your career. Can you expand on that a little bit? What does that mean? Absolutely. So I share this story in the book where a woman who worked in PR, she's rocking it at her agency and um, her company goes through a reorg. And so she has just got a client booked on Good Morning America. Like she's doing great stuff. And she gets called in on the day they're doing layoffs. And she's told that her, oh, I'm skipping a part, excuse me. So she also had just gotten engaged and she had a huge ring and it was like the talk of the office. And again, she's also rocking it in her career. So on the day of layoffs, she's not expecting any news because she knows she's doing great work and she gets called in and ultimately um, she was hurt. She, she was let go that day. And later her manager called her and wanted her to know like, oh, you know, we, we value you. We just figured, you know, with where you are and you getting married and you'll be fine. And like alluding to the size of your engagement ring, mm. um, let us know basically you'll be okay. And not on top of that, once she left, she found out from some of her former clients that instead of the agency just saying they laid her off, they made it, tried to make it seem like she had left because she wanted to be a lady who lunches. Now, being an engaged woman isn't a protected class, so unfortunately she didn't have necessarily grounds for a wrongful termination, but it, she's just a sort of a dramatic story of, of the reality that hiring managers do judge you based on your ring status. And so if they see you, and not all, but just in the, the, the survey I did, there was, you know, hiring managers who said, um, depending on the size, like if you have a super huge ring, they might say, oh, she looks like, you know, she might be high maintenance because she's, you know, used to being taken care of. If you have a, just a, an engagement ring and not the band, they might think, oh, you're planning a wedding right now. And then if you're young, you have an engagement ring or you have your ring and your band, they might think, oh, you know, you're new, young and married. Are you looking to have children soon? And so definitely don't build your you don't have to change who you are based on these things. But I share the story of a friend of mine who, when she was interviewing for her job, opted not to wear her engagement ring. And she was in the process of planning her wedding. And she just said, I didn't want, I wanted them to just focus on me and my abilities. I didn't want them thinking about what I was doing outside of work. And so we still have a lot of work to do in this new era of women's empowerment to feel like a level playing field where I don't have to think about how my personal life will impact my career, but be clear, we cannot be naive and not know that we are being judged by much more than just our work. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it's so funny that when I, you know, coach clients through the interview process, I talk about not talking about family or, you know, not talking about um, being married, all of those things for the same unconscious bias that you've, or conscious in some cases that you've just described. But I never really thought about the ring. <laughs> like that just wasn't something that came, I didn't even think about it. Um, so that's an interesting point that you brought up. And, you know, it's not to say that all hiring managers are feel this way yeah. or being malicious, but yeah, this is a bias and it's something that we need to be aware of. Absolutely. And it's funny because, you know, the ring itself is something that in every chapter I talk about the ring. And in that instance, it is not a piece of jewelry. So the important, most important thing you do possess as a powerful woman is the ring. And it's not jewelry. It's actually the ringing of your phone. So what's most important is your 
network is who picks up when you call and who can you call because in that instance where you anytime you thinking you might be judged and I might I mean that's just one thing we know so many things that we were judged on mm-hmm. when we're interviewing and so you always want to be three steps ahead by already bolstering support in organizations so whether you have a, a 15 care ring or no ring the reality is you always want to be cultivating support around you so things like that don't matter yeah Awesome. So what about once you go through this process, you interview, you get the job, you're doing your thing, really rising up and getting promoted and all of that. And now you're trying to, you know, this, this, this concept that you mentioned in the book about going hard at work, but then also going home. You want to have that work-life balance. What advice do you give to women who are trying to balance those things? Well, I definitely, I, I don't approach it from balance because the reality is there will be times where things aren't equal, but it really is. I, I love Michelle Obama's use of the word trade-off, mm-hmm. but in order to trade off and really what you're doing is trading up, I'm willing to give up one set of circumstances for something greater and better. I'm willing to let go of what I have to create space for what I don't is to be clear on what you actually desire. So the fifth chapter in the book is go hard and go home. The, actually, that's the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter, I'm going in order. These questions are great. Is <laughs> go hard and go home. And going hard isn't just being busy at your desk and head down on the computer, cranking, cranking, cranking. That's not going hard. For a boss bride, going hard is hard is hard actions, research decisions. So first, get crystal clear on what it is that I actually my heart actually desires. So within the book, I talk about, um, I help, we talk, create your life plan. Why are you on this planet? What are you here to do? Because your time is too precious to waste doing things that aren't connected to your heart. And the next thing being research decisions. And research decisions means I do not have time to try to figure out things someone else has already figured out. Your job is to gather information quickly. I shared a story in the book, and it's actually featured in the May issue of, of Real Simple Magazine. And it's about when I found out that a coworker is making $20,000 more for me for a comparable position. But that could happen because I had not had a had a research decision. I didn't gather all the data available to me to make sure I knew what the market rate was or what that company could potentially pay for that position. And so I had to take ownership of that pay gap that eventually I was able to catch up. But it was definitely a sobering moment for me. But I got there because I did not do my due diligence to gather the information. And that's so key. And, you know, I talk about a lot on this podcast about negotiation and you should be asking for more, but you're right. That first step is like understanding what it is that you want and knowing why you want it and doing your research before you can even, you know, close that gap. That's what needs to happen. All this pre-work that sometimes we don't take the time to do. So that totally resonates with me. Um, You in the book, you talk about like, so you, you just said about, you know, you don't really look at it as balance. It's really trade-offs, all of that. You also use a word in the book that I think is really interesting that you say merge. So how powerful mm-hmm. women merge work and family. What's like one or two things um, to, as you're making the decision, as you're thinking about how do I trade off and, and what these trade-offs are going to be, how can women think about merging work and family? Sure. The first thing is that there's a myth that you're 15 people or you're two people. There are definitely parts of us that we might turn up or down depending on the situation, but you are who you are. So the first merge means I commit to bring all of me everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. Now I might leave with different parts, but I don't leave part of me at home 
and I don't leave part of me at work. I So one of the most smartest things that the working wives and I interviewed more than 100 women on their best strategies and one of the consistent things that I heard from women who were successful in navigating and having full plates was that they integrated their lives and that means they took the skills that made them effective at work home so they were diligent around managing their time having schedules having calendars with their home life and then they took some of the 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 warmness of of their family they took their warmness and their loving self to work and a lot of times we zip ourselves up so much not knowing that doesn't give us an opportunity to create authentic relationships within our workspace and those authentic relationships are what create the type of relationship currency you need to really grow and excel at work people work harder for people they like and respect and so you want to be open and full-hearted at work and you want to be strategic and task manager at home and that's one of the biggest things you have to do is to release that fact and one of the things you know I, one of the tips i do like people say oh, i'm so busy it's like because you're not really asking for help and you're not leveraging every resources you have within your workplace i gave myself a ten thousand dollar raise at work just by making better friends in, a, in the human resources department at a company I was with and realizing all the resources available to me there at work. And so there's so you have so much more support than you realize. Yeah. As an HR professional, I can just co-sign on that. I mean, the amount of people that when they do take the time and not look at HR as the enemy and make mm -hmm. those relationships and get strategic, there are things that we can do. There are ways that we can help, you know, and if you're going through a difficult time or if you're looking to get that raise or whatever it is, we can definitely be allies in that process. So I think that's a really good point. Not to plug HR because I'm in HR, but that's just a really that was good point. true. Yeah, yeah. And then it, what also happens is you built that currency and relationship. So if something does happen, you, your first time going to your office isn't crying. Like yeah. you know me as a person and like, oh, this has happened. So you have allies. Mm -hmm. Awesome. There's a line in the book where you say, I had to be proactive in achieving the love life I craved. And when I read that, I felt like that's the, the same is true for your career. <laughs> so this, besides that, like what other parallels can you draw from your romantic life with your professional life? Absolutely. And there's so many parallels. And one of the reasons I wrote that line is that we are used to going hard professionally. We are conditioned to work hard and put in the effort. And somehow we think our personal lives, we won't have to require that same level of effort. And there's so many parallels from beginning to end. So the first being just the start. Interviewing and dating have similarities, right? Where we're looking in some ways to fill positions in our life. And so, so often, and it's something in a management course I took that was talking about like training us on how to behavioral interviewing. Like how do you better interview to better hire to save this company money? And you do that by being very clear on what you need. And I love one of the things in the management course they said, you know, we spend so much time telling us what you would do when you get here. No, no, no. The biggest indicator for future performance, and you know this, Miss HR, is past <laughs> performance. And yep. so we're always asking, tell me about a time when. That's why HR managers ask you that. And we get to bring that same level of in, in interviewing into our personal lives where we say, okay, tell me about a time. Oh, what was your last? And doing it in fun ways, but really giving ourselves permission to get to know the people in our mm -hmm. life. Because Susan L. Taylor told me one of the best pieces of advice that's 
still is rings that still helps me and it's not everyone deserves a front row seat in your life so we have to be better vetters now i will say the intention is clear the energy is different you do not want to show up on a date like it's an interview so tell me about and questioning you want to get to know someone organically but also show yourself because just like in a work setting where you're both interviewing each other and you're you're interviewing a company the same way they're interviewing you the same is true and so you want to show up as your powerful authentic self and one area where we definitely want to be intentional is like even when you look at marriage marriage is a business conversation we're merging finances and we're merging insurance and also contractually you want to protect yourself so even in a marriage I'm pro prenup mm -hmm. because it's uh, the same way people are like oh does that thinking that they'll get divorced like no you don't get in a car expecting to get a, in a car accident you do not desire that. However, if the worst happens and something you did not ask for happens, you're grateful that you have insurance. And that's all a prenup is, is an insurance policy. Like, I'm getting married with the best of intentions. And if it doesn't work out, here's how we both would like to protect ourselves. And if I'm in a bad situation, I don't also have to think, does what my grandmother left me, the land she left me, or his student loans, am I on the hook for either of these, or either of these things in jeopardy? Mm -hmm. What about for women? Because, you know, when I think about myself, when I was getting married, I didn't get a prenup. <laughs> and I think about friends and things like that. I feel like people think, well, prenups are for rich people. They're for like, you know, the Beyonce. Oh, no, no. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest myths because prenups don't off, off just include, and there are postnups. So if you already are married, you still could say, hey, you know, we're in a career with different people now just in case. Now that's harder because then the person is like, oh, you're trying, you know, it's more, <laughs> it, it can be more around? sensitive, but you could blame it on me. I was listening to this podcast and you let them know what's at risk for them. Like, right. Do you want to be on the hook for my student loans or do you want, you know, what, um, something, the money you might make when you sell your big thing to now I be have access to that. And so it's not just about what you already have is what you'll get down the line, but also a debt. And so it's not just we think finance, we think in sort of, oh, I don't have a lot, but it's also not what you could lose and what you could be on the hook for to pay. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really good advice. Cool. So, I mean, I guess just switching gears a little bit, I went to my Facebook group, the Career Success Circle, and I asked the members there, you know, I, I didn't tell them who, because I like to like spring things on people and surprise them, but I told them that I would be interviewing a really, you know, knowledgeable person about relationships and, and, and love life and career. And I asked for some questions and I got some really good questions. And so I just want to ask two of the questions that came up. Um, one of them says, how do you make time to pull pour into your marriage and nurture and support your husband while you're killing it in your own career. So the time aspect of it, how do you carve that time out? Absolutely. And one of the, I would love that question because it confronts a huge myth. We do not carve time. Mm. So you're not going to get more time in your day. So if you're waiting for that 25th hour to show up, whatever you were planning to do in the 25th hour will not get done. What we plan for gets done. And so what I found with the working wives is that they integrated, they plan for the success of their marriage. And so they already, and it, it doesn't sound sexy to say, oh, the third Tuesday of every month is date night. But let me tell you, by it already being on the calendar, when that client calls or when your girl say, hey, can we, you already have protected that space. What we plan get for gets done. And so we really have to create the same way we plan for everything else. We have to plan for the success of our personal lives, whether that be fitness, put it on the calendar, put it on the calendar, put it on the calendar, but also realize you going out with your husband, you hanging out with your girls does not take away from your career. 
the better you are to yourself, the more on fire you are and the more you feel love, the better everything you touch is. I want you to go on date night. You're not taking Guess what? Your coworkers like you more the day after date night because <laughs> I, I went through that. I went through burnout and I looked at pictures of myself and I'm pushing myself for this and that. And I said, nobody wants your tired self. Nobody wants your cranky self. Nobody wants your horny self. Like take <laughs> care of you and bring that best version of you back because the myth is that if I spend more time doing something, it'll be better no you want to be so efficient that what it used to take you 10 hours to do you can do in two and that only happens when you're rested restored and refilled yes 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 awesome the next question is i have always out earned my husband and he's used to it and he's been supportive of me doing my thing i am in a position now that has a lot of social opportunities and i like having him with me but i feel like it takes him out of his comfort zone how do we socialize Absolutely. I love this question. And it addresses a realities for a lot of people. One of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten and it's in the book because I love her. She's a mentor of mine. It's Miss Mickey Taylor. But she said this quote, don't hallucinate about who's at home. Mm. Don't go to events. Don't go watch the movie. Don't look at Meghan Margot and Prince Harry. And then all of a sudden look at your man like, well, why are you not like that? Because that's not who you married. You yeah. married who you married. And yeah. so the reality is they get to have an honest conversation around what feels good for both of them. Because a lot, I find that reality for a lot of women who find, who find themselves in a, a relationship with someone who might not have the same personality. So you're going to, you will find as a couple what your comfort levels for both. So it might say, babe, I know you don't like to go out. Can you give me one night a month where you show up your fun self? Cause that's the other thing you don't want to drag you don't want to be pulling anyone to a place. They don't want to be. That's never a good experience for either of you. And so you have to be honest with yourself. Like I might desire something, but his peace of mind, his happiness, if it's not also checked off, then it's not worth checking. That box is something that might stay open. So you negotiate that honestly as a relationship. And then you, 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 you communicate why you want him there, what it means for you. And then if you are in a, and this is not just partners, this is friends, but also if you are knowing you're more outgoing and you're bringing someone who's not, then you have to really be responsible for them at a higher level. So let me make sure he's having a good time. Let me make sure I introduce him and he's introduced in a way that he wants to be. And we talk about, and we have that fun because I don't want you starting to look at that person and hallucinating that you wanted somebody else. Mm, yes, yes, yes. That is awesome. Such good advice. I'm really happy that we were able to take the time to talk through this. Is there any parting words of advice you'd like to give or, you know, one story that sticks out from Boss Bride that you want listeners to know about? Sure. So the last chapter of the book is Unleash Your Happily Ever Now. And when you purchase the book, you actually get a bonus audio of when I kind of went to this lady named Oprah Winfrey's house and had brunch in her backyard and asked her a question. And so there's audio that I've never shared that is on the download for women who purchased the book. And one of the exercises in that chapter, chapter eight, Happily Ever Now, is unleash your crazy eight. And the crazy eight is anytime I want you to dream as big as possible. Like what's the craziest thing that could happen? Like your biggest dream that you're even a little bit afraid to say out loud, say it out loud and then write it down and then ask yourself, what are eight ways it could happen? Because I tell the story of meeting Oprah in the book, but I also tell you about the time I didn't meet Oprah because meeting Oprah was one of those things that I had never even had. Like it wasn't even something that I, I had 
said out loud, I didn't have access to that. And so because I never said out loud what I wanted, when the opportunity presented it to me, when I'm in a cocktail hour and she's there, it didn't even occur to me to say, you know what, can let me ask somebody to introduce me. And so I'm in a room with her, but I'm not in the room with her because I never planned to be in the room with her. Mm. So I want you to expect your biggest dream to come true. And so the crazy eight is just giving yourself all the ways anything could happen. You know, going to Mars, there's ways you can get to Mars, right? The crazy, okay, I can move to Jupiter, or I could sign up for this program that exists where they're, uh, you know, have a lottery for people. Like there's real ways anything you want could happen. So give yourself permission. A lot of times as women, we are so creative, but we don't often give ourselves permission to use our creativity in our own lives. Oh, so many gems. I'm over here, like, getting my entire life right now. Sharia, I thank you so much for taking the time. How can listeners thank you. How can they get in contact with you? Where can they find you? Where can they find out about the book? Yes, go to bossbride.com. You can order your copy. You can get the downloads. There's a free chapter. Um, and then also, Sharia, I'm on social. You'll see my name in the in the notes, at Sharia on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a Facebook group at bossbridetribe.com, my community of powerful women. So any of those places you see me, I would love to connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I hope you found this episode useful. I know I was taking notes. I got so many gems from Sharia, and I'm so happy that she took the time to be here with us and talk about the parallels of work and love. I mean, they're both so important to our happiness, our well-being, all of those good things. So it's amazing that we were able to break it down with an expert today. So I hope you enjoyed that. To find the show notes, to get access to all the links that we talked about in this episode, make sure to go to yourcareergirl.com slash blog slash episode 41. And I will talk to you on the next episode.